You're listening to Pop Culture Fanatics, a podcast for the crazy fan in you. Brought to you by Pop Culture Fanatics, the only podcast for the fanatic inside of you. I'm your ringleader for the day, Mr. Val Cisco, and today we're going to be reviewing and giving our thoughts and opinions about the latest that came from the Saw franchise, Spiral, from the Book of Saw. Uh, the ups, the downs, and the ugly that comes out of this movie. And if you're a fan of the Twisted Pictures production, uh, you should know that there's a lot of ugly when it comes to the franchise in Saw. Good ugly and bad ugly as well, too. We're going to get right into it. But before we start, guys, I want to thank you for joining me on this podcast, joining me for this journey, um, the amount of months, years that we that we put into this podcast, and I know recently I have not given it the love it deserves because I've been a little stretched thing with the thing called life. It does happen, and I won't get too, too much into it, but, you know, some personal things have been happening lately, and I'm proud to say that, you know, I can dedicate some time now to the podcast, and I want to dedicate a little bit more, make it a more of a priority, since this is my baby, and um, you're going to see a lot more content coming out these days, I'm proud of that, so thank you guys that have been sticking around since day one, and are still around as well too, I appreciate it, you guys are the real MVPs, you guys give me the passion to keep on coming back and doing one of these, so enough with the pleasantries, let's get into it. A criminal mastermind unleashes a twisted form of justice in Spiral, the terrifying new chapter from the Book of Saw. Working in the shadow of his father, an esteemed police veteran played by Samuel L. Jackson, a brash detective by the name of Ezekiel Banks played by Chris Rock, and one of his rookie partners, um, well, his actual rookie partner, Max, uh, played by Max, uh, probably got Botch's last name, the uh, Minghella, 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 Max Minghella, <laughs> take charge in this gnarly investigation into murders that are eerily reminiscent of the city's gruesome past. Unwittingly entrapped in a deep mystery, Zeke finds himself in the center of the killer's macabre game. Now, guys, this has a great cast in it. Like I said, Chris Rock, Samuel L. Jackson, a couple others as well, too. This film was supposed to be released last year, I believe, in 2020, but due to COVID-19, things got pushed back. So, of course, May 14, 2021, it was released worldwide. Uh, box office gross, it came out to $15.8 million. The runtime is about an hour and 33 minutes, and again, it was produced by Twisted Pictures, the same as all the Saw movies that have came out in the past. Where does this movie fall into the Saw timeline? 
Well, guys, that's the big question right there, right? Uh, it definitely is not related to Jigsaw from the 2017 adaptation. Uh, I feel that this movie is a continuation of the Saw franchise. Uh, it doesn't say what where the time period is. All we know is that in this movie there is a Jigsaw copycat. So everything before this movie is canon. So definitely, I don't know the year placement whatsoever, but definitely we're in New York City, things are happening, and people are nervous because Jigsaw-esque killings are happening all over again. Now, this film, um, it does have a heartbeat. I don't know about the soul, but it does have a heartbeat. And the main crux of this film has to deal with law enforcement. The good, the bad, and the ugly that comes with it as well, too, in the police department. The cover-ups, the skeletons in the closet, if you want to say that. Um, and it definitely feels like a year too, too late. I could definitely see why this film would have been put out last year. Probably would have ruffled some feathers going on everything from the Black Lives Matter movement to what's happening with uh, law enforcement in this country, in every country I want to say, recently as well too. Uh, but I digress, here it is, and let's get into it, what, what I felt about it. Um, so from the jump, from the jump, I will say I was kind of excited for this movie. Um, this is me off the heels of watching the last season of Fargo, Fargo Season 4, with Chris Rock being one of the main characters in that season. And questionable as well, too, because we're used to seeing Chris Rock in a comedy role. That's who he is to the, his core. And to see him take on these serious films, it can be a little jarring. Kind of reminds you of Jim Carrey when he first started doing the serious films as well, too. And Chris Rock has done serious work in the past, but I, I don't know. I've had mixed feelings after watching the last season of Fargo. I wouldn't blame it specifically on Chris Rock's character. I just feel like it was a very ambitious season. And... I don't feel the passion was coming out of Chris Rock throughout the whole entire show whatsoever. Felt a little muddy. And the same goes for this as well too. We take the comedy out the window and there are some comedic parts in this movie. Um, but I will say that the serious play on Chris Rock, there are some moments and there are some not so good moments whatsoever. And the movie kind of falls on him because he is the main character. So you're going on this ride with Chris Rock, and I'm not too sure if you're enjoying the ride throughout the whole entire hour and 33 minutes. Um, the other cast, they, they kind of fall by the wayside as well, too. They're very typical uh, typecasted cop characters as well, too. I mean, Samuel L. Jackson has been playing a character like this for God knows how long as well, too. To the fact that you don't probably even give Samuel L. Jackson a script. You just tell him, hey, do what you gotta do. Throw some F-bombs and call it a day. Was he even needed in this movie? No. No. N not at all. Um, does he have some decent chemistry with Chris Rock? Yeah, I can see it. It's there. Definitely there, but not enough to really have that relationship between father and son blossom. I forgot to say this earlier in it. I didn't go too far into it right now, so I'll say it right now. If you haven't watched a movie, and you do plan on watching a movie, stop this podcast right now. 
because I'm going to go into spoilers in about a five, four, three, two, one. Okay, yes, here we go. Let's get into it. So like I said, the father-son dynamic is there, but it's not fleshed out. And maybe that's because you only have hour and 33 minutes plus everything else that's going on. Um, uh, Marisol Nicola, uh, Nichols, who's also there, she's the police chief, uh, Captain Garza. Um, she... She looks like she can bring out a great performance as well, too. You know, the pretty, you know, you know, confident and badass New York police chief, a captain, excuse me, that takes no nonsense but still looks good in the process. You know, she's there, but I feel like there's not enough meat in her character as well, too, to explore what her true intentions are throughout the film as well. And of course, I'm probably going to botch his name one more time. Max Mingela, <laughs> Minghella, Minghella. I've seen him in a few movies, but most notably, I remember him from Horns, the uh, Daniel Radcliffe movie, where he plays a rat bastard in that goddamn movie. And you know what? You look at this guy, and I saw it from the actual trailer itself, and I was like, "You're the asshole in this movie. You're the guy that we're looking at. You're the turncoat. I know it." He just has that stigma after Horns to me personally. It's like watching Ray Liotta. After watching a Ray Liotta movie, you typecast him as an asshole, as a villain, as a schmuck, and that's who he plays half the time as well too. Love Ray Liotta, but you know he has that face. And so does Max as well, too. Um, there's also some other characters in this show as well, this movie, excuse me, but not really noteworthy. No one really makes a huge um, a huge case to really steal a performance besides maybe Chris Rock. And that's not saying much. Maybe I'm being a little too harsh on Chris Rock, but I just feel like this movie could have been better. And like I said, it had a heartbeat. It just did not have a soul. I'm not sure where the direction or where the fault lies. But uh, let's get into other stuff right here. I'm not going to go beat by beat for this movie. So if you guys want to go out there and watch it and judge it for yourself, do so. I will say that this movie is very predictable. That is the part that really just stresses me out the most. And when it comes to the Saw franchise, if you're a fan of the Saw franchise, you look for the unpredictability of the Saw franchise. Who is it? Who's turning? Who's part of the Jigsaw cult, if you will? Um, you know, who's related to this person or that person? Or why are they intermingled with each other, right? You're looking for that, the whys, and I feel like from the beginning of this movie, hell, from the trailer alone, I feel like you already knew who the quote-unquote bad guy was, and you had a sense that mostly all these cops in the whole department were dirty in the first place. So I think as a viewer, especially if you're a viewer and you're a fan of the Saw franchise and you know the ins and outs of the convoluted story that is Saw, then you're expecting like a little bit of a head scratch. You came out of this with a head scratch as well too, but just on, well I knew everything from the first scene to the end, and I'm still wondering why was this made. It didn't do anything to push the series forward, it didn't do anything to, to set it backwards either, it's just there. And I think that's a hard thing because I know a lot of people were pushing for this movie. Chris Rock was the executive producer for this movie and he was pushing for this movie as well too. A change in the landscape, a change in the game, which never really happened. Um, 
Let's talk about the kills. Because we're in the Saw movie, right? The Book of Saw. It's part of the Saw franchise. If you know anything about these movies, you know that Saw is very gruesome. It gets that R rating because you're looking at fingernails being torn off. Hey, what's going on everybody? It's your boy Val Cisco, dropping some knowledge about Anchor. Guys, have you ever wanted to record your own podcast? Don't you want millions and millions of people to listen to what you have to say, whether it's about Zeus, whether it's about sports, whether it's about everything that's going on in the world of quarantine? Guys, what are you waiting for? Download Anchor. Anchor basically is a one-stop shop for all your podcast needs. It has creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or your computer. Number two, it's free. Guys, it's free. There's not a lot of freebies out there, so grab this. And of course, Anchor will distribute your podcast so you can be heard from different places like Spotify, iHeartRadio, Apple Podcasts, and many, many, many more. You can make money off your podcast too with minimum listenership. So right there, guys, like listen, this is a no-brainer. Download Anchor. It's pretty fantastic. I love it. Hell, thank you, Anchor, for giving me the platform to speak about all the random things that I do. Uh, it's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. So please, once again, download Anchor. You can download it off the Apple Play Store, the, the Google Store. I don't know if you guys have Blackberries out there still. Uh, whatever is out there, download it. It's freaking phenomenal. and You guys won't regret it. Take care. Ciao. slitting um, skin off to reveal numbers like in Saw 2, which is my favorite Saw out of all of them. Um, I feel like this movie was not gruesome whatsoever. You know, it's rated R, and it's rated R for, you know, it's uh, gruesome scenes with blood and cursing and things of that nature, but I feel like it did not push the envelope. Now, you can blame it on today's culture. Maybe today's culture cannot watch a a movie as gruesome as Saul these days with everything being, I wouldn't say censored, but just ultra-sensitive these days. I probably will get some flack for that, but it's true. Um, and to, to, to people's credit, maybe the days of torture porn like Hostel and Saul and things of that nature, the human centipede, maybe those days are done in the mainstream light. Maybe they're just made for the DVDs and the small screens, the TVs and the shutter apps and whatnot. Um, so I totally get it. But I feel like when you have the weight of Saul on your shoulders, you have to produce something like, I don't know, gruesome in a way. And the traps and the kills were decent. I wouldn't go over the, the, over the hedge for them whatsoever because I feel like they gave you enough but they let the imagination take over. And in a franchise like this, you're not leaving room for the imagination. You're letting people see the brutality in these traps. And you didn't get that in this movie. I feel like the most you got in a gruesome trap was probably the first one, with the first detective going in inside the, um, the um, subway system and seeing... Um, being hooked up to a contraption, his tongue being hooked up to a uh, contraption. Um, and then maybe possibly with the 
police captain and having hot wax, I believe it was wax or oil. I believe it was wax um, being dumped on her face. I think that was cool, but at the same time, she had like a rag over it as well too, so it wasn't really hot. It was okay. And like I said, I may be giving it a lot of crap. I do that a lot in my reviews. Y'all know that. I'm a hard critic sometimes. I just feel... If you're a fan of the franchise, you're leaving disappointed with all the with all the blood and guts coming out of this. You're left to look at this as a Saw version of Seven. And let's be real, Saw itself is a I want to say a love letter to the '90s Seven movie. Seven, phenomenal movie. Brad Pitt, Kevin Spacey at the end. I know he gets a lot of flack these days for everything that he did, but that reveal in the end fantastic right i think we all can agree on that you know but this movie felt like seven but just the pg-13 version of it a lot of f-bombs a lot of confusion and a message about dirty cops and what doing the right thing can cause later in the future you know most of chris rock's character zeke ezekiel is being uh, ostracized for being doing the right thing as a cop, turning in dirty cops, and having the whole, I guess, department calling him a rat and treating him unfairly to the point that in his past he got shot because no one wanted to come out for backup. So he has a history with this department and people just trying to backstab him. And I found that very interesting, but at the same time, I feel like that itself it's its own movie. Like, you don't need a Saw movie to explore that. And that could have been a fascinating concept for a, a, a standalone movie. But you're throwing this with also the, the Jigsaw copycat killer. Along with other things that are happening. The father-son dynamic as well too. The new rookie partner as well too. And I feel like there's so many stories happening. And not enough answers happening. That you're left to wonder why. I think that's the that's that's my main issue is you're left to wonder why so was it a good movie yes like i feel like if you just take that stigma out and you just enjoy yourself for a dumb popcorn movie this could be enjoyable you just don't watch the rest of the movies or you just get your mind out of gutter and just don't look at this as a saw movie then yeah this could be a, a decent movie um, but as a fan, and for this movie to be part of the Saw franchise, it, it does leave you underwhelmed. It, it should have been a tad bit better. When you're looking at Rotten Tomatoes, the film critics score gave it a 36%, while the audience score has it at a 75%. So, like I said, if people want to watch a dumb popcorn movie, you'll, you'll have fun to some degree. But if you're following the franchise, I mean... Critics never gave Saw, any Saw movie the best review in the world, but this right here is deserving for that because it leaves little to be desired. The ending itself, should I even spoil the ending? I won't spoil the ending, but like I said, very predictable, and it opens the doors up for another Book of Saw movie, which is cool. I get it. If you want to take this movie as like maybe a soft reimagining or reboot of the franchise, I wouldn't even say a reboot. I would just say a soft reimagining of the franchise. You could do that. But it's super weird. 
Like, you get the killer's motivation in a way, even though it's predictable. You get the killer's motivation. But you don't... You don't know or you don't understand the link between Jigsaw and the killer. You just know that the killer has motivation. And it could be valid. It could definitely be valid. I get it. But you don't know exactly why this killer has a connection to Jigsaw or the Jigsaw killings. You don't understand or it's you're not led to believe that this person had a fascination with Jigsaw. That he... Spoiler alert, this said he right there. Um, that the killer studied the Jigsaw killings, that the killer was fascinated by everything that was going on in previous movies and whatnot. Like, there was no indication whatsoever. And you could see with the traps that are being made, they're kind of crudely made, and I get that. I totally get that. It kind of reminds me of Amanda's character from Saw 2, where she's making traps, and they're kind of crude, but they're made for more so for punishment than for reconciliation. Um, so it kind of gives me those vibes, but at the same time, I just feel like that's a huge hole. And yeah, you can definitely explore that in the second or third movie. Saul likes to do that. It takes you through the past, present, and future. But I just feel like that little caveat should have been told. Like, I'm doing this because I saw this, and this is the only way to do it. This is the only way to, to have justice for what happened to me. To have justice for anybody who who's went through what I went through as well, too. I feel like that could have been stressed a little bit more. We did not get that. Uh, most of the performances are laughable, too. You know, you have some strong actors in this movie, and most of the time it's like second-day acting class where people are just making weird expressions and you're trying to do a New York accent. Everybody, you know, hey, everyone has a New York accent and shit like that, like... Everybody wants to talk like freaking Ralph Macchio and stuff. Like, no. Like, the aesthetic of New York is not even there. It's supposed to be taking place in New York, and it just feels like a bunch of subway systems here and there. Um, some dark alleyways and maybe some abandoned buildings. And that's all you're getting, guys. Like, that New York presence. New York itself is supposed to be an animal. It's supposed to be a character. You don't get that from this film whatsoever. This film could have been done anywhere. It could have been in Vancouver. It could have been in California. It could have been here in Phoenix, Arizona. We don't get that. We just don't. We don't. It's not an aesthetic. It's not important to the film, I guess. So, yeah. Um, that's really about it, guys. Um, is it a movie you should go see? If you're a fan of Saw, go for it. Are you going to completely enjoy it? That's up for you to decide. But for me, myself, I was underwhelmed. I wanted more, but not enough for me to say I want a part two. And honestly, it made me want to go back to watch some original Saw movies and have some fun with that story rather than revisit this. So yeah, I'm going to go for a five-star rating. I think we're going to use the five stars um, for the future of this podcast as well, too. And I'm going to be a little generous, and I'm going to give this a 3.5. We're going to use the point systems in this as well, too. Okay, some decimals. 3.5. I think that you shut your brain off, it's a decent movie. You name it anything other than Saw, it's a decent movie as well, too. Uh, if you're in it for Chris Rock, you may enjoy his performance. 
you will definitely enjoy Samuel Jackson because he plays the same goddamn character in every movie, so that doesn't change. And I think the final sequence with Samuel Jackson and Chris Rock and some of the pieces that are being put together are entertaining, but predictable. And I think the predictability of this movie really uh, makes it suffer. So that's it for me right there, right there guys. Uh, hopefully you guys enjoyed this right here. It's a short and brief review synopsis of from the Book of Soul Spiral. Um, it's in theater still. Get it out there. Support your local theaters. Support the ones, you know, you guys can support the AMCs and the Harkins and the Regals out there. But if you have your Alamo Draft Houses and you have your small little theaters, I, I go back to a time in Teaneck, New Jersey, where there's a very small, you know, 1950s theater out there. I wish I remembered the name, but Dollar Popcorn and a small ass theater. Support those theaters because those are the theaters that need the help the most right there. I know COVID's still a scary thing, but if you are being safe, taking precautions, these theaters are taking precautions as well, too. Uh, I feel that you can be safe going out there and enjoying a movie. So, yeah, guys, that's it. That's all in a nutshell. I think uh, there's going to be a couple movies that are coming out that I want to review as well, too. So, like I said, we're going to be a little bit more consistent here at PCF. We're still going to have our PCF roundtables like we usually do with Jay Rands and Jacob. But these personal ones like we do, like I like to do over here for movie reviews, maybe anime reviews and things of that nature, they're going to be happening and happening quite frequent. So, um, thank you guys again for allowing me inside your ear holes to listen to i appreciate it and if you disagree or if you feel that you enjoyed this movie or you do agree reach me at uh lucha val cisco on twitter and lucha val cisco on instagram um of course pop culture fanatics is on all podcast platforms from pandora to iHeartRadio, apple Podcasts, google Podcasts, you name it we're there uh pcf podcast on twitter pcf podcast on instagram and pop culture fanatics on the Facebook. If you guys are interested in the world of professional wrestling, me and myself and Jay Rance, we go ahead and we talk about everything in the world of professional wrestling at Elite Wrestling Audio, EWA Podcast on Twitter, EWA Podcast on Instagram, and Elite Wrestling Audio on Facebook. That podcast is out there on all podcast platforms as well, too. We talk about everything from NXT to MLW to AEW to WWE. So let us know. Hit us up there as well, too. And if you guys are enjoying yourself some MMA, some mixed martial arts, reach us at The Kimura Chronicles or TKC Podcast on Twitter, TKC Podcast on Instagram, and The Kimura Chronicles on Facebook, where we talk about everything from the world of MMA, UFC, Bellator, uh, PFL, you name it, Invicta, we're talking about it. So yeah, Jay Rance has a, has a stranglehold on that one, and he's rocking and rolling with that podcast, so go out there. Let us know how we're doing. Let us know how this is going as well, too. And um, I appreciate the support again, guys, uh, and this journey that we're all having in life. So, um, again, thank you and take care. Later days, everyone. Mm-hmm.